This is all bringing one word into my head right now. What's that? Martha. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Story Geeks Podcast, produced by the Reclamation Society. So, question number five. It struck me that Yoda, he also, one of the things that he said to Luke was, pass on what he had learned. He instructed Luke, pass on what you've learned. He also calls Luke the last Jedi. And we know that from The Force Awakens, um, and the upcoming sequel to that film, The Last Jedi, Luke did indeed go on to start an academy and essentially heed Yoda's advice. He went on to teach other people. Um, based on the title of The Last Jedi, he may well be The Last Jedi as well. I've heard it said that he is. I've heard it said that that's what that means. I've heard it said that as well. Um, so we also know because we can look back and see, okay, Yoda said for Luke to do these things. Luke does those things. And now <laughs> Kylo Ren is created from Luke obeying Yoda's requests. What do you think all of this means for the future of the franchise with episode eight and episode nine? Which, like, by the time you listen to this, it's going to be like weeks away from episode eight. Yeah. So we will not have seen this yet, but we'll be going right into it. So I'll start with Daryl, then we'll jump over to Jason, see what kind of thoughts Jason has. Then I'll go to Garrett, and then we'll go to me. I mean, I think it's really exciting, mm-hmm. obviously. I'd, and because we just don't know. We don't know what happened with right. Luke training Kylo Ren and whoever else he was training. Right. Like, was it all of Luke's pupils that became the Knights of Ren? Like, we don't know that. Yeah. We don't know how Ray factors into all of this either. And so I'm really excited to find this stuff out. But it it also sort of continues to point to this everything's focused on the Skywalkers, right? Yes. They even call this the Skywalker saga now, don't they? They do, yeah. Yeah. So oh. Anakin was flawed and things went bad when he started interacting with the Force. Mm-hmm. Luke was flawed. And they were deathly afraid of things going bad when he started interacting with the Force. If everything stops at the end of Return of the Jedi, we seem like maybe he escaped that, he redeemed it, everything's okay. Certainly doesn't look that way when you look at the trailer <laughs> at for all. The Last Jedi. <laughs> right. He he says the Jedi need to end in that trailer. He's very afraid of it. Yep. He has um, isolated himself from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so... We don't know. Like, maybe there was just something really terrible that happened when he was training Kylo, and maybe it was Kylo's fault, and the dark side was in Kylo. Mm-hmm. But maybe it was in Luke the whole time, and maybe the clues that we see in Jedi, we should have paid more attention to. Yeah. You know, the Force choking, the black outfit, and all that kind <laughs> right. of stuff. Because um, we just don't know. And this whole idea of, not to harp on it but the whole idea of the force being darker than we think yeah could really pay off in this kind of a story too because they already talked in the force awakens about um kylo being seduced by the light side right which on the surface doesn't make sense Hmm. because you think well only bad things seduce you right like it seems like a negative term right so it would seem that it would be good but they're really presenting it like he's struggling with it. Like he wants right. desperately to devote himself to the dark side. Right. So 
I don't know. I, I feel like I've lost my point the longer I talk, but <laughs> it's it's just really interesting to see how it all comes together. And why is Ray so important? If this is the Skywalker saga, who is Ray? Ooh, that's the question, right? You know? We're supposed to learn that too in this film. I think so. And Garrett, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling a thousand things for you, having not seen The Force Awakens yet. But. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm one of the I'm one of those terrible humans that normally will like Wikipedia a movie while I'm watching it, because <laughs> so. I just want to know what happens. I mean, I still sit and watch the rest of the movie, but like, I just I need to know right then. <laughs> no suspense. So, Garrett, what do you think? What yeah, does all I, this mean for the future of the franchise? That is a very good question. Um, that someone who has only seen four of the films probably should be allowed to answer. <laughs> um, I honestly just have no idea because I'm so new into this Star Wars world. So, mm. sorry. So you're just hoping really any for help the best. Here. Yeah, you're just, I'll just hope for the best. Like, by the time the new movie comes out, I'm hoping to have watched the rest of them because now I'm hooked. Um, but, yeah, as of, at this point right now, I have no idea. There are so many questions I want to ask you that are like related to oh totally different things. I want to know how you feel after you see The Force Awakens. Like, I want to know how you like it. Yeah, exactly. You have to write us an email after you watch. We'll start a group chat. There you yes. go. It'll be beautiful. Yes. I'll tell you all my thoughts and feelings. Perfect. That's what we want to hear. Um, all right, so here's my thought on it, right? We already know, we've already called into question the wisdom of the Jedi Order. Yeah. Of the prequel era. Yeah. We've already called that into question. If you listen to the, if you go back to our podcast and listen to that, it's very obvious that in the prequels, there's something going on with the Jedi order that is out of, out of order. It's out of alignment with what their value system should be. Yeah. Um, there's clearly a lot of fear, even though they are so, they're so anti fear. There's a lot of fear going on in them. Um, what I was shocked about was Yoda's wisdom which has been cited by people for generations. Oh, Yoda's so wise. Like, so you always hear, like, oh, Yoda's really wise. I am now calling into question Yoda's wisdom. Yeah. Because not only do we have this previous discussion about where Luke is placing hope in redemption and Yoda's placing value, it seems like, in morality, stamping out the dark side entirely, whereas Luke wanted to redeem his father. Um, now we're looking at Yoda's advice to Luke eventually being a very terrible thing for the future of the galaxy. Uh, it seems like it, unless something's going to turn around. Um, Kylo Ren is definitely on the wrong path because of what Luke did, because of Yoda's suggestion to, suggestion to him that he do it. So um, I just think we, we, we have to ask the question before we go into episode eight, because they're going to answer this question to a degree in episode eight, I believe. Is Luke's, is Luke's value system also wrong? Is he wrong to place hope in redeeming other people and not just stamping out the dark side wherever he sees it? Is that wrong? Or has Luke's fear caused him to abandon his value system altogether and now start to shift towards the Jedi Order's value system? And have it be about morality, and then when we don't see, when we see immorality, we react with fear instead of redemptive overtones. Um, obviously, it's all speculation at this point, but I have lost a massive amount of faith in Yoda's wisdom, his quote-unquote wisdom, 
based on what we have seen from not only the prequels, but now what we're seeing in the original trilogy, particularly related to where they're taking the story in the future. So, But that being the case, for me, makes the story better. Because mm. before that, Dark Vader... Dark Vader, I just said. <laughs> I'm confusing the space balls. Yeah. yeah. Darth Vader is menacing because, you know, he's in this big black suit and he breathes in a menacing way and right. he kills people and he has this low, deep, dangerous voice and he's the evil guy. Right. And he's menacing because that's how they present it to you. Yes. But if you let the story get to a point where even the wisest, most level-headed, most trusted sage yeah. in the Jedi Council yep. is afraid of Vader, yeah. that's a better story. And if he's willing to kind of subvert his own wisdom mm -hmm. in order to just get rid of the problem and wipe out the mistakes of the past, yeah, then that makes an even better story. It does. And if you go and look True. at The Last Jedi, I'm excited because to me it sort of feels like, yeah, Luke, he got to redeem Vader, mm -hmm. but he also lost him immediately. Right. Like the relationship didn't get redeemed, really. He had, what, three minutes with yeah. the redeemed version of his father before he died? <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. And then he burned him. That's and true. And then he burned his body. So if emotion is what... Emotion and passion is what causes a Jedi to degrade into the dark side. Right. I don't think Luke was freed from all of his emotion and all of his, um, you know, pent up aggression and hate right. and fear just because, you know, Vader turned to a good guy three minutes before he died. I don't yeah. think that all goes away. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So that's actually a very logical progression yeah. towards The Last Jedi. And maybe he didn't realize it at the time, but his obsession was still there. And so when he trains these other Jedi, that, that leaks in and, you know, he realizes, okay, I'm trying to rebuild this, but I'm actually just making things worse. So mm. I need to segregate, segregate myself, go to this Jedi temple and live in the mountains and not talk to anybody. Yeah, so you would take, you would take kind of like the, the line of thinking that Luke's value system in Return of the Jedi is still a good value system but that he has not been able to deal with his own fear, which has then cycled into something later in life where he actually takes on the value system of the, of the prequel Jedi Order. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, you know, back in 83, yeah. when you're releasing Return of the Jedi, I don't think any of that was on anybody's mind. <laughs> no. Like, this was the end of the saga. Right. Like, all was good. It was a very, very satisfying ending, and, you know, everybody was happy. Yes. So, which in some ways I can, because I heard that when they started working on Last Jedi, Mark Hamill was not happy with what they were doing with Luke. Yeah. He said he disagreed with everything, the, yeah. the direction it was going, with everything. Yeah. Which, if that's kind of what's going on, if he's upset about them, you know, sort of undermining Luke's hero journey, that makes sense. I like that. Huh. That's a fascinating topic. So, we're going to explore sort of the same concept but from a slightly different angle. So uh, we have this really fascinating scene in this film uh, where Luke accuses Obi-Wan of outright lying to him about Darth Vader being his father, right? 
and Obi-Wan's response. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. And if you've ever seen Blue Harvest, the <laughs> <laughs> the family guy like yeah. take on Star Wars, they actually just do a really funny musical number about this whole thing. Um, it's worth your it's worth a watch. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube. Uh, but this is the Obi-Wan's words are what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our point of view. What do you think about that statement, Garrett? Um, I think that every well, everybody's going to have a different point of view. Everybody's going to have. There's so many different worldviews out there. Um, I think we get into trouble when you start uh, assuming everyone has the same point of view as you do, and um, but at the same time, you shouldn't accuse other people of being stupid or anything like that just because they don't see the world like you do. Granted, in this scene, <laughs> um, <laughs> I th- kind of feel like Obi-Wan was just kind of like, uh, yeah, well, according to my worldview, he's dead. <laughs> so I didn't lie. Because, like, I would never do that to you. But Luke just calls him out on it. Just like, boy. You you told me a lie, so I I think that was kind of using an argument to back yourself up when you know you messed up. Yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. No, know. no, it totally makes sense. I think that's yeah. funny too. I like that. Yeah, I. It's every time I talk about this movie now, I almost feel like it's lending. Um credence and making the prequels seem better (laughs) which in my head i I don't want to do but (laughs) but when you go back and look at the prequels and you look at you know ewan mcgregor's portrayal of obi-wan yeah you see arrogance Mm -hmm. and you see him you know not necessarily being wise you see him trying to stay on top of anakin and stuff like that so if you carry that through this kind of makes sense, right? you know? Like, Obi-Wan kind of is being arrogant here. But when we saw Jedi for the first time, we never would have thought that Obi-Wan was arrogant. Right. You know, we would have thought that he was just old and wise and shiny, right? <laughs> right. But, so, I mean, I get, from the one hand, I understand what he's saying, because there's so many intricacies to what's going on, and the light side and the dark side, and just... You know, Vader is not just Vader. He was Anakin before, and it's not as simple as what you see on the surface. Yeah. But from a foundational perspective, for me in life, if truth depends on my point of view, uh-huh. I'm scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> because my point of view is incredibly limited sure. and completely biased based on my own experiences mm-hmm. and my own emotions. Mm-hmm and ideas that I've come up with in my head. Right. And if that's all there is, then that's frightening. So to me, I feel like if you look at most worldviews, most religions, Mm -hmm. most faiths, anything that tries to make sense of what's going on around us, the majority of them will recognize some version of absolute truth. Yes. Wherever that comes from. Right. Even science, right? Sure. And so, I don't know, maybe not maybe not nihilism or stuff like that. I don't know. But No, it would. I mean, we, if you go back and listen to the interview I did with Hannibal Taboo. Yeah. 
he'll, he'll, he'll tell you his, his absolute truth, the only absolute truth, that's what he says on the podcast, is science. So yeah, that, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, there's a recognition of a desire for absolute truth right. beyond what we as individuals think. Sure. So, and I'm right in line with that. For me, my worldview, that absolute truth is in Christ. Mm. And so, and it's so comforting to me that truth is not based on me, that it's bigger than me, and I don't shoulder that responsibility. It's something that I can pursue. It's something that we pursue in this podcast. Yeah. It's something that is out there that is better than I am mm. that I can use to grow. Are you telling me that I can't read Daryl's 10 steps to finding truth? I'm telling you they don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I am in agreement with both of your statements. And I think, honestly, I really dislike the way that Obi-Wan says this because his own statement is proven absolutely 100% wrong because he tells Luke in that same exchange that Vader is more machine than man and basically indicates that he'll never be redeemed. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. Yeah. Like, so if he's seeing it from a different point of view, he's wrong. And that's not true. If you're wrong, it can't be true. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, a friend of ours, actually a mutual friend of Anthony Holdiers, um, who is one of the other uh, hosts of the Story Cauldron podcast, one time posted on Facebook. His name is Sam Wellbaum. He's been a guest of our show. You've heard Sam talk before. Sam's like sort of like a genius, <laughs> genius level person. Um, he said, he asked the question on Facebook. He said, uh, is there a difference between absolute truth and objective truth? Which is only something you ask if you're a philosopher. <laughs> Everyone else is sitting there yeah. going like, wait, what? Why is he asking this question? But I wanted to bring it up because I... I my answer to him at the time occurred to me that it applies to Obi-Wan's reasoning here. And that is like, like you're saying, Daryl, I do believe that most people believe in absolute truth. Yeah. But that truth is incredibly nuanced. What I see a lot of people doing is they take the nuance out of the truth altogether. Right? So they'll say something like, well, this is true, therefore I can behave in these 10 ways. Mm. But the reality is that no, in every single situation, that truth is slightly different. You can say, you can say killing people is wrong, for example. Killing, um, killing is bad. Okay, great. Is that different than when someone murders someone else versus someone killing in a war? Both those actions are not the same thing, right? So what should happen to people in either situation? Is, is killing is bad, is it always true? Yeah, I think killing people is bad is probably always true. Is it necessary sometimes? Yeah, it's probably necessary sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, um, And so I think that what we find here is that we find that absolute truth, while it can have different perspectives, because obviously a soldier is gonna have a very different perspective on killing than another human being might. So there's going to be different perspectives. In that way, I think Obi-Wan is correct. And what, what Garrett is saying is absolutely true. However, there has to be some sort of absolute truth for every single circumstance that we come across because there has to be a best case scenario. 
Mm-hmm. Luke is basically saying, I believe the best case scenario is my dad gets redeemed. Yeah. Yoda and Obi-Wan are kind of saying, hmm, I mean, I don't know if that, that I don't know that that's the best truth. I think you should just kill him. Or or if it is the best truth, we don't care. We should just kill him, right? Well, it speaks to the pursuit of truth, too. It speaks to the it motivation does. behind the pursuit. Absolutely. Because Luke wants to redeem his dad. And that, so saying he believes he's redeemable. But it's not, it's not just that Yoda and Obi-Wan don't think that's true. They're afraid of him. Yes. They're afraid of what he's become. Yep. And they're afraid of what will happen to Luke if he knows who he is. Exactly. So it's not a pure pursuit of truth. It's a fear-informed exactly. pursuit of truth. Yeah, which, which I think this gets us dangerously close in Obi-Wan's scenario to relative truth, which means to say that, like, I don't think you can have... I don't think that two things... Here's, here's, where, you have to, here's where you have to go with this, right? If absolute truth is very nuanced, then relative truth must be to a degree rejected. In other words, there can't be a scenario where you say killing is bad and I say, oh, no, 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 killing is good. Mm-hmm. Because it's relatively true for me, Daryl, that, rel- that my relative truth says that killing is okay. And you go, wait a minute, killing is bad. Well, I would say that that is not a deal. Now, I think why we have these people that are out here in the world saying like, well, no, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, so like, let's just deal with that, is because they're not actually trying to find the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. behind the scenario. And I think that that's what Obi-Wan is getting into here. He's getting into like a relative truth. Well, let me just say everything's different from a different point of view. So there's relative truth here. And that's just yeah. what we're going to say. And I think that that's getting into really dangerous territory because while I do believe that truth is so nuanced that we need to have really deep discussions about it, hence having this podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe that you can say that it, that relative truth is actually 100% a thing. Mm. So you, and if you, if anybody out there disagrees with that, Feel free to write us an email, and we will read it on the podcast. We will debate it in more depth. Like, love to have those kind of um, love to have those kind of discussions. Life experiences will give you different perspectives on on truth. As you get older, you'll realize, and I've done this myself. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh yeah, there's another angle to absolute truth in this kind of situation, but it doesn't mean the truth is relative. It just means that there's another angle that I hadn't considered because of my lack of experience in life. Which is why it's so comforting to me that absolute truth is something bigger than me that I can pursue. Because yeah. there, there are so many different truths, like you're saying. Yeah. like, So, yeah, don't kill somebody might be one truth that it's like, okay, that's very easy to live by. Yep. But there's also the truth that there's war in the world, and there's danger in the world, and that's there's right. evil in the world. And when these truths start to butt up against each other and create tensions, we don't understand how to reconcile that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's why I'm saying like, if it's dependent on my point of view, I'm screwed. Yeah. I don't understand it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then find someone, find a human being for me that can say like, oh yeah, I believe, I believe that my truth is the best, best truth. And then can live up to their own standard of morality based on that truth. Yeah. Find me that person. Yeah. Unless they just say that everything is so relative that it doesn't matter what you do. Then I'll find you a really big creep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, anyways, we don't have to keep going on. Any last thoughts on that? Garrett, do you have any last thoughts on that? I don't know. I just tend to go with the theory of, you do you, boo-boo. I'm not <laughs> going to tell you no. But, like, you know, you do your thing, I'll do mine. So yeah, So would you I ascribe to a more relative theory on truth? 
I don't know. There's just there's so many different things to think about, and I haven't really thought about it a lot. Because, um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I live in my very little uh, narrow point of view uh, that I haven't really had to think about it too much before. But when it comes down to it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do what I think is best for me, and then you can do what you think is best for you. For you. Like, I'm... Not someone to rock the boat. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, so we, I don't know. I I still need to be around a little bit longer to form my own thoughts on that subject. <laughs> Got it. As someone who's been around a little bit longer, it's always going to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. that's, I mean it, it always feels like our, our point of view is so limited and so small compared to yeah. the greater world. That's the truth. See what I did there? But if Jay's if Jay's <laughs> blown up your brain, then that's good because that's his whole goal with these podcasts is to blow yeah. people's brains up, including my own. Yeah. <laughs> you you don't know how many times I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought of this before. Storytelling is a very powerful. This is how, tool. yeah. This is how I feel after one of our podcast episodes too. I'm always like, oh, Anthony, Bobby, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> so that's what makes it fun, I guess. True. Okay, uh, let's move on. Question number seven. Um, we have this setup for this last battle wherein Palpatine has orchestrated everything. It's just this giant trap for the rebellion. And his goal is to goad Luke into turning to the dark side so that he can actually use Luke as a weapon. Very similar to how he did that with, with Anakin in a lot of ways. So he's doing that by forcing him to feel fear and anger and hatred. How does this mirror the relationship Palpatine had with Anakin? It seems kind of similar, but what are, what are some of the ways that it, that we see this mirroring what he did with Anakin? Start with Garrett. See, my thought was maybe he's done this before since I haven't actually seen any of the prequels, but coming in in this way, uh, not knowing the prequel prequels, excuse me, if I could learn how to talk, uh, my first thought was, well, he must have done this before. He's kind of preying on those feelings that lead to going to the dark side that Obi-Wan and Yoda were like, no, 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 don't give in to those. Like, it's you, not, it's you not felt good. You that way as you it's were watching it? it. Uh, yeah, I was cool. kind of thinking, oh, well, this can't be the first time he's done this, especially if he has Darth Vader, who is Anakin. Skywalker on his side like clearly he's had practice and he's going after it again with Luke so hmm. that was that was my thoughts of that's pretty insightful coming in as a third yeah. party observer with no prior knowledge well and on haven't subject. haven't having seen it before that's a very insightful thing to get to that's why I was asking if, yeah. if you thought of that while you were watching it or if you thought of that after you read the questions hmm because well, looking back, I, thought I don't about think it. I would have thought of that while I was watching it for the first time either. Granted, I was, you know, seven years old. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 20, so there's a little difference. But, like, um, when I was watching it, I was kind of thinking, okay, how are the, how's this Emperor dude and Darth Vader connected? It, like, it has to be something else, especially since Darth Vader has such a past. And then, like, the he was taken to the dark side. I was like, okay, yeah, that... Has to, there has to be some sort of connection there. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, he has done it before. It yeah, it's pretty much exactly what he did to Anakin. Exactly. Um, 
And but one thing that sort of struck me about it as we've been talking in the podcast, especially when you mentioned uh, Darth Plagueis, yeah, and mentioned how Palpatine killed him, there seems to be this trend in Palpatine's head of the servant killing the master. Yes. But not wanting himself to be that master who gets killed. Yes. So he killed Plagueis, and he got Anakin to kill Mace Windu, mm-hmm. who wasn't exactly Anakin's master, but... Right, right, right. Sorry, Garrett, that's a spoiler for when you watch the other movies <laughs> later on. <laughs> totally good, um, totally good. And, um, and now he's trying to get Luke to kill Anakin right, so that he can take over Luke. And there could be a sense to that where, you know, the more he can get somebody to kill someone from the dark side, like more aggression, more hate, bigger rage, mm-hmm. thus a stronger weapon every time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, clearly it's the same thing he did to Anakin. He uses sort of different tactics to do it, but it's all about inspiring emotion and getting him to act out of emotion right and not think out of wisdom yeah Uh, yeah yeah absolutely so and what basically what we're referring to and i don't believe that this appears in the films actually it might well it it does appear in the films uh because yoda at some point in time says um uh when we're talking about darth maul so I think it's at the end of Phantom Menace. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's two. There are, you know, like, uh, <laughs> there it is. so he does that. I had to do it at least once. Yeah. Um, he does. So that there, there is an indication that this is a thing, but, but the um, other books have explored this in greater detail. And technically there is a rule of two. Yeah. And they're actually, they've actually explored it in legends uh, where they've, the Sith have tried to create a like mass, like a master army of all Sith. But the problem is that they always recognize is that no one's on the same page because they all want to get what they want to get. Mm. So now they've they've one of the and I believe it's actually Plagueis's master. I believe it's Darth Bane, and this might be legend, not canon. Obviously, like if Mark Herleman's listening, he'll have to let us know. <laughs> but he um, he institu- in, implements the rule of two, saying there's always one to teach and there's always one to desire the power. So I think you're 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 absolutely right. Like he can see Vader maybe getting too powerful, and he's yeah. like, I think I need to replace Vader with Luke now, so yeah. I can so I don't die. Um, his biggest mistake, I think, is that he assumes that Luke and Anakin will respond in the same way. Yeah, and he's pulling all the same strings, like we talked about. It's very much mirrored to what happened in the prequels, but I think he's missing one key piece, is that. Anakin was directly connected to Palpatine. And it's really more like Luke and Vader have the direct connection. So he's overestimating his influence over Luke. Yeah. Because he had the father type relationship with Anakin in some ways. Yeah. Maybe more like an uncle. But um and the biggest two factors, the or should say the biggest factor is the two characters' value systems. So Anakin felt the need to bend others to his will in order to save them. So Anakin never had his 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 end goal was not necessarily negative. It's how he tried to implement his end goal. His end goal was I'm going to save people. I'm going to present prevent them. Um, I'm going to prevent people from feeling pain. 
he wanted to save Padme, not necessarily because he loved her, though I think he did love her, although it was a very infatuated type of love, but because he didn't want to lose her. Yeah. That was his like so he it wasn't a necess- it was a very self-focused even though his end goal was not self-focused, the way he went about it was very self-focused. So I think that that's why Palpatine's tactic doesn't work on Luke is that Luke doesn't have the base the same baseline for fear. Yeah. Luke is basically saying I'm going to work from a place of love, a love that's willing to sacrifice my own comfort. And we see him do this because he sacrifices. He says, I'm going to throw aside my sword. I'm not doing anything anymore. You're going to kill me, kill me. And I think that Anakin was never willing to do that because of the fear that Anakin felt. So because of the two differences in the characters and because of the missed connections between um, Luke and Palpatine, I think he's he tries the same set of tactics, but it's just not going to work in the same way because of the differences in the two characters. Yeah. 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 And I think too, Anakin, you know, he was he was playing on Anakin by basically reminding him, You've lost everything. Yeah. They've taken everything away from you. Yeah. Um and he's kinda tries to do that with Luke too. But with Luke it's not true. He he never had anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean exactly. he lost Uncle Owen and Aunt Veru, but otherwise he's never had anything to lose. Right. And he has everything to gain standing right in front of him in right. Vader. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, we only have two questions left, and obviously, like I, I, I did like half the number of questions this time, and we're still going like the same amount of time. <laughs> so, what does that say about us? We like to talk too much. Um, question number eight, and we'll start with you, Garrett. What prevents Luke from killing Vader and turning to the dark side? Um. Well, I actually like I wrote down the good side of the Force question mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think more it was just they had that sort of connection. It was kind of like, no, I'm not going to kill you. You're not going to kill me. Like, think about it. I'm your son. Hmm. Mess with me. Like, I don't I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a dangerous territory when it comes between, uh, well, I normally start that by saying it's a dangerous territory telling other parents how to parent their kid or telling parents how to parent their kid. I feel like it's kind of the same situation here. Dangerous territory, trying to get a father and son to kill each other. Mm. So, Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Daryl? I think it's what prevents him is ultimately the fact that his end goal is redemption. Yeah. So. True. Good point. Pretty much everybody <laughs> wants him to kill Vader. Like, uh, Palpatine wants him to kill Vader. So that he will turn to the dark side. I didn't and, think about that. That's and totally true. Apprentice. Everyone wants him to kill Vader. Yoda and Obi Wan want him to kill Vader. Right. I'm sure all the rebels want him to kill Vader. Like yes, everybody wants him to kill Vader. Yeah. And so, it's the fact that he's not. I mean, he does. He's aligned with the rebels, obviously. Like right. he believes that the rebels are good and the Empire is bad. Right. But his ultimate goal is not to kill Vader. His mm. ultimate goal is to redeem his father. Right. And so I think yeah. that's why he doesn't do it because even amidst all of this pressure from everybody, hmm. he's holding true to what he's trying to do. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's good really, answer. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. Woof. I'm gonna give some I'm gonna give some additional backing to why I think that that's the right answer. Really, um, I think what really truly prevents Luke from killing Vader is empathy. Yeah. Um, we see that he cuts off his father's hand. And I think most people probably know this, but that's the same hand that Vader cut off of Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. 
So you see someone who is letting is letting the dark side overtake them, starting to let the dark side overtake them as he just hacks away at Vader, cuts off his hand, and then he sees at that moment that Vader is not what Obi-Wan claimed. Because what Obi-Wan claimed was that Vader was was all machine. Yeah. And in that moment he goes, Wait a minute, I'm not that much different than him. Yeah. We both don't have a hand. We both have mechanical hands. The same hand of ours is mechanical. Yeah. And I think that's where he sees that there's a man underneath that armor. And not only that, but it's my father. And that empathy is what prevents fear and anger and hatred from taking over. He knows what Vader is feeling. He's able to put himself in Vader's shoes, so to speak. Um, I think it all comes down to empathy. I think that's the mo- one of the most powerful things when you see divided opinions or you see people who are doing things in vastly different ways, right? Empathy is one of the biggest ways to get those people to come together. This is all bringing one word into my head right now. What's that? Martha. (laughs) (laughs) We have to bring that up in every every single podcast. We have to bring it up just in case Tim Posada is listening. Yeah, no, well, oh, well but, that, but that is the point, right? Yeah, like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. And ultimately, like, I don't think, whenever whenever I hear, um, I, well, okay, here's a really good example. I was listening to an NPR story on This American Life, fantastic story, and it was talking about some of the rise of this white nationalism and that being pushed over to the side of racism. And it was also talking about... Um, there was an African-American uh, basically personality. I think he has, a, he, has a, he has a podcast. And he was sort of an outreach to a lot of um, younger boys who were going through the process of like learning about what it was like to grow up in the modern world and what they would be facing. And he sort of became a resource for them to like, how, how, would, you, how would you go about dating and talking to women? And as opposed to them getting all bitter about like not being able to talk to women, he would help them by saying like, you should go talk to five women a day, no matter what, just go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And they would learn like, Oh yeah, these other women are like, they're people. Like it's not just somebody out on the internet. Right. It's just like, these are people mm-hmm. and they would learn empathy and then they would actually get dates because they actually became desirable because they understood women. And it was fascinating because in the same, by the same token, he was helping out this, like, uh, this group of people who were not, who were unlike him. And his basic thought was, well, that's the, my best way of being able to help them is when they understand things from my perspective. And that speaks to empathy. That speaks to us saying, you know, we can take the view of Yoda, which is to say we must wipe out what we don't agree with. Or, or even Obi-Wan Kenobi. We must like just completely obliterate whatever we don't agree with. Yeah. Or we can take the view, like Luke does, that actually, no, I have to understand where that person is coming from. I have to understand them. I have to empathize for them or else I'll never really truly redeem them. And I, and I, and I then take a place where I have to wipe them out. So I think it's a really, really powerful method message that's weaved throughout. Do you want do you want to take like two seconds just to brag about your son? <laughs> to brag about my son? Yeah. Cause he basically got an award oh, for being yeah. Luke. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, I'll brag about my son. Yeah. Earlier this morning, my son, who is in TK, which is a year before kindergarten, so he's four years old, he won um, student of the month for his class mm-hmm. 
for being caring. Yeah. So, and I mean, he's four, so I don't know that he totally understands empathy. It's not like he has the capacity to put himself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. But he genuinely does have a capacity to care about people beyond himself. Yeah, absolutely. And that speaks to, so you can tell him, you can tell him that Jay said he's just like a little Luke. Okay. <laughs> there you go. He's going to go, who's Luke? <laughs> but, no, he knows who Luke okay, is. Okay, he knows who Luke is. Yeah. Just tell him, tell him. Okay, so we're... Oh my gosh, my heart. That's <laughs> <laughs> It is awesome. And, and Daryl showed me a little picture of him with his award too, which is, which is super cool. Um, Congratulations. Any thoughts, any last thoughts on that? I know, Garrett, I asked you first. Any other thoughts on like how empathy is a part of that or like how this story relates how luke's transformation relates to that like i didn't even think about it until you said it but now i'm like oh my gosh so thank you like now i can totally see it now that it's been put in front of my face but uh the first thing that i actually thought of was when yoda told him to go and like see his fear or whatever that was in the dagobah system Mm -hmm. uh and then he cuts off darth vader's head but it's his head in the helmet oh yeah yeah like that's the first thing I thought of because I didn't even think about cutting off a hand and then oh my gosh like the empathy that whole thing um, them relating to each other on that level and then like him seeing that kind of come to fruition from what he saw when Yoda told him to go look at his fear so sorry now it's just getting to the point where I'm talking because I'm trying to understand it in my head oh, that's but I exactly what to we sound do. as smart as you guys <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. No, that's what we do too <laughs> Well, and this and this was just basically so just to just to to kind of press rewind for a second on on the podcast. This is where I think a lot of people get the object like or what I believe to be absolute truth. How most people apply it incorrectly is that they don't apply it with empathy. Mm. So if you apply what you believe to be absolute truth without empathy, without understanding where the other people are coming from you will almost by definition come down on them from a morality perspective instead of understanding where they're coming from. Because if you understood where they were coming from, you might realize that you're susceptible to maybe some of the same things that you're quote unquote accusing them for. And, and so I think that this movie shows a pretty powerful example of if, if you like Luke does say, no, I'm going to understand I do believe that people need to be redeemed. That is my absolute truth. But I don't believe they can be redeemed without empathy being a core part of what I do. Then you really open yourself up to the negativity of an Obi-Wan or a Yoda Mm -hmm. with how they're trying to come down on people that should be redeemed and can be redeemed and are redeemed. So that leads me to the last question. And we're going to get Jason in on this one, too, um, because I think that this is this speaks to kind of this wrap up of the original trilogy, which I think is really cool. Why is the ending of this film? Why is the ending of Return of the Jedi and this trilogy as a whole so satisfying? We are we're invested. We're dedicated to the film Um, just to like see it go all the way through. I think that has way more power than just seeing one movie by itself. It's almost like a TV show on steroids, I want to say, because <laughs> people are waiting for this to come out. They're waiting to see it. Uh, and I think that just brings a lot of hype and a lot of excitement. And, um, yeah, I think that's just kind of what the audience wants to see and how they 
how they're able to do that and end it and everyone's happy about it and I think that's just something that's that's really special that the screenwriters and the filmmakers um, try really hard to do that's that's what they want to do they want to satisfy the audience even if it's funny to look at films and even if it should end a, a different way they always try to make it so that the audience wants to the, the audience wants a happy ending essentially um, and so I think that's uh, just pretty important to how they do it yeah absolutely okay Garrett what about you um, well I think there's uh, so many different reasons why the wrap up for this trilogy and this film in particular are is like so good I'm trying to think of how you phrased it in the question oh so satisfying um, so satisfying yeah. yes ha. <laughs> um, but from what you were just talking about you do get to see that redemption aspect of it because everybody loves a good redemption story uh, and then everybody also loves it when good beats defeats evil because everything is good versus evil so dark side versus the light side of the force uh, and also you know the underdog won so woo, go <laughs> viva la revolution so it's just it's a really good wrap up and everybody's happy everybody's partying there's fireworks like what more do you need did you get to hear did you which which version of the movie did you watch? Oh dear God. Um I get asked this question all the time on our podcast and I never have an any yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that I watched was the one that was two hours and fourteen minutes long. At the end of it, did you see Hayden Christensen? Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, so He's from the in the scene at the, the end when so. Yoda and Obi when Yoda and um Obi Wan oh, appear Anakin. and then and then Anakin appears. Was mm-hmm. Anakin young or was he old? Yeah, was it a dude you young. recognize or a dude that you have no clue who he is? <laughs> well, I didn't recognize him, but I knew who okay. he was. Okay, yeah. so you watched a so, newer version. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, the only reason oh, I no. asked that question. Is that a bad thing? No, no, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> oh, dear. It's just that the, this particular ending leaves out one of Daryl's favorite parts of the, yes. or, which was in the original theatrical release, which is a whole theme song that was like basically sung by the Ewoks. And don't think I wasn't going to talk about it. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> there, I'm tromping all I over it. I missed this? Yeah. Well, oh I mean, my gosh. in your I defense, the it's one hard. With bonus features, so I'm going to go back and look yeah, for it. Yeah, go look now. for it. Well, in your defense, it's hard not to see that version. Oh, yeah. Because the rights to the theatrical version are wrapped up with 20th Century Fox. Yep. And they're not going to put that version out because Disney owns everything else. So it's literally hard to, to go out and watch the theatrical version right now. Absolutely. Huh. That might change in the future, but right now that's the way it is. If, so. if Disney um, buys 20th Century Fox. Yeah, that'll change everything. Yeah, All right, so let's get on to you then. I was already starting to yeah. talk over yours. So obviously I miss I miss the old song. Yeah. I, I, miss, I miss the Yub Yub song. Even, I mean, this is super nitpicky, but even in how it transitions to the closing Star Wars theme, as all of the Star Wars movies do. Yeah. The original one just transitioned better. Right. The new one's just sort of a random, just it just clicks, and all of a sudden it's anyway. Yeah. That's small, but to answer the greater question yeah, yeah, of yeah. why is the satis- the ending so satisfying, is is I think it it literally wraps up every loose end mm. and satisfies everything with a sort of happily ever after kind of ending. Yeah. 
without sucking. True. Because yes. lots of movies try to do that, you know? And sometimes it's it's heavy-handed, it's forced, it's cheesy. Yeah. In this case, it's not. And literally everything happens. So, like, you could kind of argue that there's only one character in this who is completely irredeemable, which is Palpatine. Right. And he dies. So the irrede- Or does he? Or does he? That's yeah. true. But the irredeemable oh, no. evil, oh. as far as we knew in 1983, <laughs> yeah. dies. Yes. And the one who could be redeemable gets redeemed. Mm-hmm. That's Vader. Luke gets his father back. Um, the love triangle is solved. Luke and Leia are siblings, so Han and Leia can live happily ever after. Yeah. Um, Lando is redeemed from where he was in Empire Strikes Back from his transgressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and just everything gets wrapped up. The Ewoks save their village, mm-hmm. you know, and all the cuteness gets to continue. <laughs> yeah. And, but the biggest thing for me is, like I've said before, this movie for me, these this particular trilogy for me is more about the family than it is about the Force and the Rebels versus the Empire and the light side versus the dark side. It's more about... Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando, like the family. Yeah. And their reunion at the end of this movie, when they all come back together and they're in this beautiful foresty setting, is just, it just makes me so happy. You know? <laughs> it's like they've all come to mean so much to each other. And now they can kind of sit back and enjoy that without all this other crap having to encroach on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I give before I give my answer, I do have to ask Garrett one question based on your love triangle thing. <laughs> so Garrett, as somebody watching these things for the first time, how creepy was the love triangle to you? When did you figure uh, out that Luke and Leia might be siblings? Did you figure that out before they told you in the movies? Uh, I already knew because everybody is always like, "But they kissed." Ew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like. Everyone that I hang out with has already seen Star Wars, and when I tell them that I hadn't seen Star Wars until this week, I almost got slapped every time. <laughs> I do have to say, though, the love triangle was creepy enough that I had to tweet about it. Ooh. So <laughs> I was like, oh, this is just, this is one heck of a love triangle. And then Lando came in, and I was like, is this a love square now? I don't understand. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, yeah, never mind. Mm, everything's fine. I so mean, I, I'll say in their defense, I remember not knowing when I was younger. I remember not knowing that Luke and Leia were siblings. Well, and when you're a kid, you just view things differently, right? You're just like, I mean... Yeah, but I genuinely don't think that... I mean, I don't know. I guess we've talked about this before, like the no, there is another. Like, at some point, maybe they did know. So, you know, is the kiss in Empire, is that like a deliberately incestuous kiss that somebody wrote you know like i don't know but i don't think so I or re- maybe i don't know maybe who knows george lucas is putting her in bikinis so maybe they didn't <laughs> maybe but maybe they didn't know who the other was when they said it yeah that's like, true so i don't know i'm just saying i remember a time when it didn't seem creepy right because i did not know that luke and leia were siblings. right 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 yeah i remember that i remember that time as well yeah so the reason why this movie is so the ending is so satisfying to me comes down to two things. You guys have mentioned these sort of already, but it's um, or at least one of them: sacrifice and redemption. 
We've talked a lot about redemption, but I mean, we're watching Luke give up of himself. Luke is overcoming his fear. He refuses to kill his father. He chooses love over fear. That that is basically the quintessential thing that we hope all human beings would do is choose love over fear. Um, he chooses other people over himself at the sacrifice of himself. Like there's no, I don't think there's a better way to define hero than someone that does that. Right. Um, I think that it's, it's kind of Lucas doubles down on it because what Lucas says is that then Vader, that, that seeing Luke give up of himself, then is a catalyst for Vader to make the same exact decision. Yeah. Because now Vader can remember his own humanity. Now Vader is now finally feeling empathy uh, for probably the first time since he was probably a boy. And he's not ma- trying to mask that with fear or anything else. He's actually taking that and saying, um, I'm not machine. I am human. I'm not a machine. And the helmet and the fear do not define him anymore. And even I think that's even why he asks to take it off, or he asks Luke to take it off, because this doesn't define me anymore. I'm not this. I'm not this thing. Um, and I, I, we know that Luke's sacrifice was the right decision, and it's shown to us that it was the right decision. Because it's not like he's like, oh, okay, I'm not going to kill Vader, and there's like lop off his head and throw him over the side. Like, yeah. no, like <laughs> this is this is what's shown to be like the greater good overcoming. Um, he's right to deny fear. He's right to deny anger and hatred. Um, and we know that that's because of empathy and that it, ins- it inspires Vader and then Vader makes the decision to then save his son despite the fact that he knows that it will kill him. Because really what we get an indication of is that Vader probably would have been just fine living except that what really killed him was the electricity, the force lightning from the Emperor, which is really what killed him. And he didn't get the force lightning until he threw him over the edge, right? So he chooses death in order to bring life to someone else. Again, a very selfless decision. And now it turns Vader from the worst villain. In fact, if you look at the AFI, the American Film Institute's like top villains, Vader is one of the top villains. And yet, he is also a hero by the time the story finishes. It's funny, this brings up, this brings my son to my mind again too, because when I started to expose him to Star Wars yeah. and let him see stuff, he was immediately afraid of Darth Vader. And this was before he saw any cartoons mm. or any movies or anything. I think it was from a book. It was from like a sticker book. Oh, really? And there was a picture of Vader. And he was scared of him. And he didn't want to play with the book. Interesting. And I remember telling him back then, I'm like, well, guess what, bud? Like, here's why you don't have to be afraid of Vader. Because he ends up being a hero. Yeah. He ends up being the good guy. Yep. So you don't have to be afraid of him because in the end, he's good. Yeah. And I remember having that conversation with my son and that helped. He was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you don't run into him in the corridor when in Rogue One <laughs> before yeah. he becomes a good guy. Yeah. But yeah. No, 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 I think that's really cool. I mean, like, I think that that, I keep telling side stories, but I was watching Jimmy Fallon. Um, watching some clips from YouTube last night and Daryl Strawberry came on and Daryl Strawberry if you follow baseball or followed baseball at all during the 80s and 90s Daryl Strawberry became basically a villain he went from being this home run hitter that everybody loved 
he played for he played for both coasts. He played for uh, the Yankees and the Mets, and he also played for the Dodgers and the Giants, which is like just take every team that could hate each other and play for them. <laughs> um, but on Jimmy Fallon, he's written a book now about addiction because he became addicted. He became an addict, and he did all of these things. He was arrested. I mean, just really not good things. And yet now we look at him and we go like, wow, he's recovered. He's spent a ton of money on charity trying to help out other people. So we talk about somebody who was the hero, but the hero in their own story to becoming the villain, not only of their own story, but in the, cult, the culture at large. And then we see him redeemed and becoming the hero for other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that those stories are just amazing. Like my wife and I are like, Daryl Strawberry's the coolest dude ever. Like, um, I don't know. I don't really know him well enough. I, I saw him on Jimmy Fallon, right? Yeah. So like, I saw him for five minutes. But the redemptive story is quintessential to our love of story. Yeah, as quintessential as tragedy is, but it is really essential to us um, as human beings and our connection to story. Yeah. So I think that that's why this is so satisfying. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and sometimes any, I I worry like, did the fact that they continued it, you know, does episode seven completely undermine all of that? Right. And I don't actually think so, yeah. because if they had made a movie in the eighties, if they'd made episode seven in the eighties, then yeah, I think it would have undermined it. Yes. But now, thirty years later, I don't think it does. Right. Because I think you can have that victory and still allow for the fact that thirty years can go by. And things can change to the point where you need redemption again. I agree. You know? Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point. All right, so let's go through final thoughts. Any final thoughts? Jason, do you have any final thoughts for Star Wars, the original trilogy in general? Any of that? No, not off the top of my head. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> what about you, Garrett? Any final thoughts? Uh, so many. Uh, no, uh, I... <laughs> I really want to go back and rewatch it again now and like, you know, binge it again, but take in different things that you guys have said into account and then start watching all of the prequels and then go on to episode seven and just get everything out of the way before the new one starts. Cause, ah, like I said, I'm hooked now. Like I'm, ugh. this is the problem. I love these podcasts. But they make me want to watch all the movies all the time. And I'm not going to get anything done ever. Well, what's too bad is that we're nowhere near close to each other. Because Garrett's... You're, you're out in, what, Idaho? I yeah. am. Because otherwise we'd all go watch these... We'd all go watch Last Jedi together. And we'd be like, Garrett, what did you think? After you've just watched all oh the other gosh. films. Dude, I'd love to be there while you watch Force Yeah. Oh, awesome. I know. It'd be awesome. Like, I'm serious, though. We're going to start this group chat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Daryl? Any but, final thoughts? It's good. I know. I guess just the is every every time we do this in the podcast, we say any final thoughts, and we always say no, and then we give a final thought. Yeah, it's, it's part of what I'd you have to point do. that out. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, yeah. So no, but let me say this. <laughs> um, no, again, I'm just kind of surprised by. I feel like watching this movie and talking about it sort of improved my opinion of the prequels. Yeah. Or maybe just reinforced that the idea of the prequels, the story behind the prequels is good, even if the execution was bad. Yes. But, I mean, beyond that, it just it makes me really excited to talk about The Force Awakens and see The Last Jedi. Yeah, I know. And we actually are going to record our Force Awakens uh, podcast in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Shannon McCarter, who is a guest on 
our Rogue One podcast is going to be a guest on our The Force Awakens podcast. And that's cool because her favorite trilogy of the, when you take the prequels, you take the original trilogy, and then you take this, what people call the sequel trilogy, which is um, whatever episode nine is called, plus The Last Jedi, plus The Force Awakens. She's a really big fan of The Force Awakens. That's like mm-hmm. her favorite Star Wars. So it'll be fun Mine to talk to too. her. Yeah, and yours too. So we're going to outnumber you. We're going to convince <sighs> you. Yeah, I'm going to be the uh, I'm going to be the old grumpy guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um but let's go ahead and finalize this podcast by giving away the VHS copy. How about that? Let's do it. We're going to do it completely at random. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to ask Daryl to choose a number. So for those of you who know, you still want to have a chance to win. Um, well, you might be, you might not have a chance to win because we might <laughs> not be able to uh, get your email address. But go sign up for our email because that's where we're doing a lot of our giveaways is from those who are subscribed um, to our email. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Daryl to pick a number and I'm going to go in and um, uh, we'll select the winner based on that specific number that Daryl chooses. What's my parameters? I'm going to give you parameters just in a second. You can pick you can pick <laughs> any number between. This is what I have to find. I have to find out what the number what the number of people is. This is when you're not quite prepared to do this. Okay, any number <laughs> between uh, one and seventy two. One and seventy two. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with twenty three. Twenty three. Oh, the winner! This is the this is the collector's edition. Yep. Is Caleb Linden. Oh, nice. Caleb Linden, who was barely alive when that movie came out. <laughs> uh, but no, he, he, hopefully he'll appreciate that. So he is the actual winner, and I will see him in person sometime this week, so he doesn't even have to get it in the mail. Does the prize come with like a fifty dollar cash prize, which will enable somebody to go out and buy a VCR? <laughs> you don't need fifty dollars for that. Oh, you don't. It's That's, lower than that. That now. is five dollars. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go to a thrift store. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so stay tuned because what you're going to want to listen to in the next episode when we talk to Shannon McCarter, we're going to do um, the grand prize, which is the ro- the art of Rogue One, which is a like basically like a coffee table book, and it is super cool because it's got nice all the book. art in there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Garrett, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, is there anything you'd like to promote? This has been fun. Um, Just the Story Cauldron podcast, uh, at the Story Cauldron, at Story Cauldron. I'm really pushing our website, which is just thestorycauldron.com, and that has everything you need to look. If you're interested in our podcast, just go check that out. It's pretty. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, and I highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in sort of like where these stories are coming from, what's like inspiring these stories, what's inspiring people to write these stories. I think it's Anthony, although I haven't quite gotten down the difference between Anthony's and Bobby's voices. I'm not sure who's who. Uh, they are very similar. You have? You well, got it down? I, I, I got to be on it, so yeah. I've, yeah. So I you got to match the face and the voice. Yeah. yeah. I can always tell when, when Which, it's Which that episode actually dropped this week. Yes. Um, yeah, so go check out Batman v Superman. Yes, that was a good episode too. I really enjoyed that episode from you guys. It, it was a good time. Thank you.
That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks, as always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.